House of Cards. Season four is over, but we are just getting started answering your questions about the season here on the House of Cards post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are ready to break the fourth season wall. I'm Rob Sesternino. Here is your House of Cards co-host, Zach Brooks. Rob, it's been so long. It's been like almost a week. Yes, it's been a minute and uh, a little bit of a hiatus, not like the long hiatus that is going to be taking place for us in our House of Cards universe, where we were going to wait about a year to get to the point where we see House of Cards season five. Yeah, and I think season five is going to pick up just moments after where season four ended. Uh, I rewatched the finale last night, and I think we're in really good shape for the season five premiere and i'm pretty excited for it all right well we are recording this live uh this is a live broadcast that we're doing hopefully uh everybody is going to uh remain uh alive throughout this whole broadcast hopefully uh (laughs) brendan is in a safe place uh that downstairs and uh zach will not be doing any sort of uh you know exhibitions for us here tonight on the live stream right zach yeah no there won't be any beheadings um on this live stream maybe maybe now that i've broken the barrier and gotten on blab for the first time maybe maybe i'll be doing more blabbing in the future all right so we got a lot to get to today we've got a lot of email questions we are streaming this live we're going to be taking your questions here in the chat as well as we talk this all through, it's the prophecy of the House of Cards season wrap-up show. It's a year in the making, but here we are, a campaign promise delivered on. Yeah, last year, uh, not so much, but this year, we are ready. And I think it season four deserved it a little bit more than season three. Uh, I, I enjoyed season four a lot more than I enjoyed the, the two that came before it. Uh, great season uh, in hindsight. We will talk about it all. We will be spoiling just about everything in season four. So if you have not watched season four of House of Cards and plan to, you are here and listening to us at your own peril. Yeah, I think we've given the, the spoiler warning a couple times, and this is the, the last call for spoilers. Last call for spoilers. Last call. So uh, <laughs> we are going to uh, get into uh, all that and much, much more here on the House of Cards uh, season four recap show so uh, zach uh let me wish you a belated happy birthday oh thanks yeah it was uh could have been a better birthday but it was still pretty fun i got to see a lot of friends yeah and i didn't watch any house of cards on my birthday i was gonna get you a set of zb cufflinks for your birthday yeah i could have used them i have one shirt that requires cufflinks and um i would i would wear the the zb or the fu cufflinks i think both have a novelty value. All right. Well, uh, very happy to be back uh, with you. And I guess, uh, why don't we start with you and your rewatch of the finale? I've got a link here on Blab to our season, our chapter 52 recap that we did. Uh, we ended up posting it uh, this past Friday. We've had a few days in the making. Uh, it's been six days since you and I talked about chapter 52, which we recorded uh, last Wednesday. And here we are on uh, Tuesday, the 22nd. So, what were some of your takeaways from rewatching the finale? Well, so I rewatched the finale last night, and then today I re-listened to the finale recap that we did. And in the finale recap, I was kind of hard on the season four finale. I said that I didn't think the last two episodes were that great, uh, living up to what the rest of the season did. And I still don't think the second to last episode was all that all that great. I think that was might have been one of the weaker ones of the season. But I think the finale... Uh, quite possibly might have been the best episode since season one. Wow. Okay. Well, it really was a tense episode and a a very dramatic hour of television. What stood out to you as making it so great? 
Uh, I just think there's so much, like you said, there's so much tension in the whole episode. There's a lot to unpack. I mean, I watched the episode last week and then we recapped it pretty quickly after. And it's a very dense episode. There's so much going on. There's so much information and chess moving, chess pieces moving. And, um, and it was just, it was just a really great way to see Frank and Claire work under pressure and work under, work under all of these extra factors that they don't they haven't had to deal with before in the show. Did you take anything so. new away either thematically or in terms of the plot and where it's going, going into season five? You know, I did have, have, especially in the last scene where there's the beheading and we get where Claire definitely does acknowledge the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, she also, I'm pretty sure she can hear Frank when he's addressing uh, breaking the fourth wall, which we've never had before. And so I think we're seeing, you know, Claire really has broken bad now through these four seasons. And, and we've got, we've got Claire Underwood sitting on the same pedestal as Frank. She's sitting right next to Frank in the situation room at the same level as him. And they they've become a true partnership now, um, at least in terms of president and vice president. Do you get the sense from where we ended things with Frank and Claire that do you feel like that they are on the right track in terms of getting out of this situation that they're in right now? Or do you feel like that they are, you know, sort of on their way down right at this moment? And we're seeing really, if not the beginning of the end, the middle of the end. You know, I think we're seeing them starting to rise back up. I think we saw them at their lowest point. Um, at least in this season and possibly in the whole series when Frank calls Claire after um, Claire had tried to get the, the head of Ico to confess to the murder or to, to work with the, to work with the kidnappers. And, and they had that moment on the phone where they, Frank was just beaten down. He was broken. Hammer Schmidt's article was about to come out and Frank just said he didn't know what they were going to be able to do. And now, um, we saw we saw Claire come up with the plan and say that we're going to make them terrified. We're going to make them have fear, and that's how we're going to control them. And they come up with this plan to go to war with Ico. And um, and I think I think it is in the short term going to work for Frank. But as we always do, things seem to come back around on this show. I just feel like that for me. I think that we are really starting to see the last throws of the Underwoods. I don't know how many more seasons this show is going to go on. That we've been guaranteed a fifth season. How many more? Is there a sixth season of House of Cards? I mean, doesn't this thing need to start to begin to at least circle the drain in terms of uh, bringing this show down for a landing? Yeah, I think so. And I, I'm always a fan of when shows end, you know, before they get stale, before they jump the shark. I think Lost did a good job of saying this is when we want to end. Breaking Bad did something similar. So the show isn't sitting there spinning their wheels like some of these shows that end up lasting eight, nine, ten seasons. So, you know, I thought season four was going to be the last one, and I was okay with that. I think, you know, season five, it could be the last one, but there is definitely new life reinvigorated into House of Cards after the season. So it could go more than just season five. But um, I I just, I don't want to see it go too long, and it can't go too long because there's only so many years that Frank Underwood can be in power and, and we eventually have to see the end of that. And I don't want to see it get too repetitive, but we'll see. We'll see what Netflix does. They seem pretty, pretty high on producing as much content as possible. Now, you said that you felt like from watching the episode again, that you thought that the new season was going to pick up minutes after where we left off. What gave you that impression on the rewatch? 
I just think, I mean, we're only what, 13 or three weeks away, I think from the election. So, um, we don't have that much time until the election. I think there's a lot that we can still squeeze out of the Frank versus Conway election and Conway's character. So I don't want to see us jump too far ahead. You know, if we jump to like election day, we would just miss out on a lot of opportunity for, for some good story. So, um, and we just saw the president deliver an address to the country and he said that they are at war now with ICO. We saw the beheading. So there, there's going to be a lot of aftermath. There are millions of people who just watched a beheading live on Twitter or on TV. Um, you know, there, there, is, there are repercussions for the entire country from that. Okay, well, let's start to answer some of the questions, some of the feedback that we got from the audience. Uh, do you have the Google Doc that I sent uh, with all the questions so we can sort of trade back and forth? Yep. I got that. If you wanted to, if you wanted to, yeah, just uh, take a look at that. You know, it was a uh, a big question uh, from a lot of the listeners about what's going to happen in season five. Uh, so why don't we uh, jump in and uh, just sort of start to answer that in sort of like a big picture. You said that you feel like that we are going to be seeing this uh, f- from immediately after that. I kind of feel like we're going to get a time jump a little bit. Like, I wonder if we just skip past the election and it's that Frank has taken the nation to war and we end up seeing Frank as sort of, uh, you know, em- you know, embroiled in this battle against Ico. I-, I just think we would be deprived of so much really good story to tell. I, I mean, he's, he's currently sitting behind Conway is going to war enough to get, the president to then have the lead and win the election. It seems like it almost could have the opposite effect where most Americans probably wouldn't want to go to war, even if they are scared of the terrorists. And so going to war might make him lose even more points. Mm-hmm. So unless he has some sort of, and I talked a little bit about the, the um, I think I call it Frank Palpatine or Emperor Frank, you know, does he just try to like extend his emergency power through this war? But even that we would need to see something getting passed through Congress and, um, pretty much breaking the Constitution to do that. This whole idea, and, you know, there's so many real-life events, and, you know, uh, today with, uh, you know, all, with the most the most recent, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the terrorist attacks in, uh, you know, in Belgium, and, you know, uh, it, it really does, like, you know, we're talking about a, a stupid TV show, and, uh, you know, or, or a not-so-stupid TV show, but a TV show nonetheless, and there's all sorts of real things going on in the world. But I do feel like that this seems like such an extreme measure, that they that the country went to war over this that I kind of feel like if a if a terrorist group did exactly the same thing, and it wasn't even a uh, an actual group like a, the a a a person who is like a fanboy uh like a Kylo Ren of a terrorist group committed a terrorist act on US soil I can't imagine we would take the country to war like I feel like it would be you know, even if they did do some sort of a, uh, you know, a horrible action live streaming on TV in the name of this organization, like it does seem like such a overreaction to, you know, we can't even find this person that's on U.S. soil. We're going to take the country to war over this. Yeah. And I think um, Amadi going off script, um, you know, he when Amadi was was in the basement and he was going to deliver a message to the kidnappers. And, and then when he started telling them not to work with Underwood and that he was doing this, you know, he wasn't doing this under his own will and that they were going to throw him back in Guantanamo. I think that also was a big part of, of this, you know, it was a big shot fired into kicking off this war. So um, 
you know, I think, I think that had a lot to do with it. And then rewatching the episode, something I hadn't picked up on was that they had told, um, they had told the kidnappers, you know, we will let you talk to him, but you can't release this video. It needs to stay off the media. And then immediately they released the video and all of the news organizations run with it and they start airing the video of Amadi. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that kind of mirrors what we're seeing with Hammerschmidt, where we're seeing the news and the media is really uh, causing and is being a catalyst for a lot of these problems happening. Hey, let's take a question uh, from Eric, which came in to us on our email address. Wanted to say, first of all, love the podcast. I feel like it seemed a bit odd that House of Cards would have a season during an election year, but not show an election. Do you think there's any chance Netflix could have a Beyonce-style surprise release or drop a supersize or two episodes on us around Election Day? Look forward to hearing your thoughts. Oh, man, I, I like that idea a lot. And actually, um, Rob, when you were talking about could House of Cards have a big time jump and we jump past the election, I was thinking, well, the only way they could really do that is if they do like what some of the seasons of 24 did where they released um, a TV movie in between the two seasons to kind of fill in the gaps of some background story of what happened. Happened. So that would be a really interesting way for them to to work in the election to get some eyeballs and really make some headlines and news heading into season five. So uh, Netflix, if you're listening, this is a great idea from Eric and you should do this for sure. I don't know. But would that be a great idea? I mean, do you think that won't the actual 2016 election uh, suck up all the air around this and that you would really like if, if a House of Cards election special dropped around November, would people be paying that much attention to it? Sure. I mean, it's Netflix. You can watch it whenever you want. And maybe you time it so it happens the day after the election or or a little bit before. So it's not right in the heart of the election. Um, you know, I think that's I think that's a that's a good idea. And people can watch, you know, people are going to be watching House of Cards throughout the year anyway. So what a good way to reinvigorate their audience uh, right about the midway point between the seasons. Yeah, I feel like that it will just be uh, so drawn out to get to that point. But I, I, that's why I kind of feel like maybe they won't show the election because th there's just so much that goes into the election. I don't even know how you would show that dramatically in terms of like, I feel like it'd be a lot of like standing around watching TVs. And I think that probably at a certain point, the election is what the election is like. I mean, what what sort of drama would be happening on election day other than like people like trying you're seeing like lieutenants and everything trying to drum up support like I, I could see maybe the actual process of America voting not being great television and something that's hard to capture. Yeah, I mean, I, we've seen a lot of Wolf Blitzer, so it would be a good opportunity to see more Wolf mm -hmm. Blitzer on the show, which is always appreciated. And we still have, you know, I think we could get another debate between Frank and Conway. I think that's something that we haven't gotten yet. Where Conway said that he was going to take the Hammerschmidt story and really use that in his campaign messaging. So is he still going to do that with the country going to war? I guess, you know, maybe this going to war is really going to bury that story. But uh, Conway could keep beating that drum if he wants to. And, and there's just a lot of, of open questions which could be filled in. I mean, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a missed opportunity to not do that. Um, and, and going back to the Beyonce-style surprise release, um, as much as I would like that to happen, you know, with Beyonce, that's only a couple people that are involved. This is so many people involved, we would probably have an idea when they're filming it. Okay. Unless it's J.J. Abrams. Yeah. 
Another question uh, about this is uh, from Spencer Y. Who wants to know, uh, the real-life U.S. selection and its impact on the Season 5 plot, do you think that Season 4 was a filler on the election storyline because the show is awaiting to see how the real-life 2016 election turns out and use that result to determine whether Frank or Conway wins the election and or if Claire becomes the president at any point in Season 5? I don't think the uh, the showrunners are as democratic as Frank Underwood tries to be or pretends to be when he's at his convention. Uh, I can't see the 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 election having an impact on on Frank winning re-election or not winning. I think the only way it could have had an, an impact was to have some candidates that mirror some of the candidates that we have. And and had they known maybe how things were going to be when the season dropped, they might have had you know they might have tried to do some sort of Donald Trump character, and maybe they still will. Uh, way off into the future, but um, I think I think it's already determined what's going to happen next year, and and we saw some seeds of that at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't think that the real life election, uh, w- unless it's you know, I, I don't know what else they could fit in there. I mean, we're so close to the election in terms of what's going on uh, in in the show, how they would incorporate anything from real life into what is happening in the storyline, even if you know this could be the craziest real life election of all time. They just have to try to top it next year with uh, whatever happens with the general election. They got to tr- they got to top what we see in November. Okay, uh, let's take a question also uh, from Ryan Oakley, who says, uh, "Rob, do you finally accept that Claire broke the fourth wall at the end of the season? What implications does this have uh, for season five? Uh, I believe what I, I never said that uh, that I uh, she definitively did not. What I said was I needed to go back and examine the tape." and uh, ensure that that was the case. And I do believe uh, that it is after reviewing the tape, even though Mike Carey says she did not. So uh, what implications does that have for season five? Um, You know, are we going to see that we start getting more of Claire addressing the fourth wall by herself? Is it that now that Frank and Claire are kind of on the same level of evil that they can, they both address the fourth wall together. and, And, you know, there never was that, pure equality between both Frank and Claire. But now we've finally seen that with Claire coming up with the idea to strike terror into the hearts of Americans and, and being just as um, just as guilty as Frank in this atrocity that they're participating in. So I think we will see, we will see Claire and Frank addressing the fourth wall or breaking the fourth wall together. Um, Do you think they're, we're going to see Claire do it solo? I don't think so. I actually don't even think that Claire will speak to the audience. I feel like what they showed us in the last scene is that that Claire is aware that Frank is talking to us. And I feel like that she can hear what Frank is saying to us. I'd be surprised if Claire spoke directly to us. Like I could see Frank saying like, uh, oh, I guess this is how it ends for me. It's going to be a long, uh, a long journey to uh, federal prison. And she's like, ah, it won't be that bad. Like I could see her talking to him as he's talking to us, but I feel like I'd still be surprised if she speaks directly to us. Yeah. I just think that the show has spent so much time making Claire break bad and, and have her character be as, as bad and as powerful as Frank, that it would really do a disservice to her to have her only be listening and not actually be actively participating in addressing the audience. All right. Well, we'll see that if that's going to be a big part of season five, All right, Zach, what questions do you have? So we've got one from policy, Paul, Policy and I Paul. guess he's really into yeah he's really into policy. Uh, he says, "Do you feel that Frank's ultimate goal is to be the longest serving president? With Frank serving out Walker's term, he can still serve two full terms outright. Eight years plus completing Walker's term would be a total of ten. 
Boy, I think Frank's going to have all to do to get through two years. Yeah. <laughs> is that how it works? I mean, his name is Policy Paul, so I'm assuming that he knows the the laws in terms of term limits. I'd love to know in the chat if anybody uh, knows the term limit rules. I kind of feel like that six years should be the rule for Frank Underwood here because it seems like odd that you would be able to potentially serve for, you know, three and a half years and then do two terms after that. That being said, uh, I think Frank has all to do to get through one reelection, let alone a second one. Yeah, I mean, I think if Frank could have his way, he would make it some sort of uh, dictatorship monarchy type situation where him and Claire are, are king and queen of the United States. And, and we don't see them ever being um, taken out of office until they're both dead. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that will be the case either. But I, I cannot see uh, 10 years of this show. I mean, we didn't even get through no. one full year in this season. So how many seasons of House of Cards would it be for Frank to serve another eight years? I mean, maybe the show ends with Frank just signing some some bill that makes him president for life. King. And that's that's the end of the show instead of yeah, king for life instead of Frank, you know, dying as we thought in the uh, in the last recap. Maybe he just becomes king forever and, and Claire is his queen and um, and Yates is their their muse, their joker. Yeah. OK, uh, let's take a question that's from Liz, uh, who says, could Linda Vasquez, former chief of staff Garrett, uh, read the Hammers article and provide additional information about Frank? I don't recall how things ended with her, but I thought of her as you two talked about who else the show might bring back. I know that was one of your callback picks, Zach. Do you think that uh, the chief of staff Vasquez could be back in the mix in season five? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the show showed that they're going to bring anybody back. And um, I'm kind of surprised some of the people that we didn't see back. We heard a lot about Lanigan and we didn't see him. Um, but I would expect to see Linda Vasquez back on this show in some way or another. And um, I, I know she left not under good terms with Frank, but who knows? Maybe Frank can work his magic and get her back on his side. You know, I'm really curious to see if the Hammerschmidt story is going to have legs or not in terms of what what's going on, because I, I wonder if, OK, will the act of going to war distract the people? But is there an indictment on the way? And I wonder, is season five about Frank remaining in office, but trying to fight off the indictment and the act of being impeached? Like, is his season five going to be like Walker's season two? Yeah, I could see something like that happening. I don't think that this Hammerschmidt story is just going to go away because they're going to war. While that is a good way to cover it up, you know, this we spent now, you know, how many episodes or we've dealt with this this story about people investigating Frank Underwood and it's passed from Lucas to um, Kate Baldwin to to Hammerschmidt. So I think at this point, you know, this this has got to keep going. We've invested so much time into it, so. Um, there are people who who are only going to focus on this. And even though we're at war, not everybody is going to focus on the war. Uh, Wendy says, according to Wikipedia, if someone has served more than two years of someone else's term, they can only get elected to one term. So it depends as to whether Walker uh, technically left before or after the halfway point of his term. Now, I believe that according to some of the timeline mentioned in the episode, it seems as though that... Uh, President Underwood took over for Walker sometime around October 2014. So I believe that would be right before Election Day 2014, 
which would mean that he has served, uh, Walker had served less than two years. You know, I don't know if we ever got a definitive call on that, but it does seem like, um, I mean, we did get to the the reelection pretty quickly after Frank became president. I mean, we had the, the one year of season three where he was president. Um, and then this wasn't even a full, and he was already doing reelection stuff in season three, which mm-hmm. lasted a full year. So um, I, I bet he's only done, you know, I leave it to Frank Underwood to have served like one year and like 360 days. <laughs> so just under the two years. Like this the timing was perfect for me. I'll be here for 10 years. <laughs> how, how did that work out? Slow roasted. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question from Veronica. We got this question actually from a couple of different people. Uh, She writes in and says, the scene where Frank and Claire discover about how they'll recover from the mess they're in is chilling. He says, uh, create chaos, more than chaos, war, fear, brutal, total. I'm done trying to win people's hearts. Let's attack their hearts. We can work with fear. Yes, we can. Is this a callback to Obama's slogan in 2008? Um, I mean, it does seem pretty intentional, but wow, that that would be, you know, talk about shots fired to compare Frank Underwood to Obama. And he, I, I just think that's a whole can of worms. I don't know if House of Cards would want to open up. Um, but there is another part of that statement that I did want to address. Yes. And um, and that's the the phrase. And I, I caught on to it last night when I was rewatching the episode where Frank says, let's attack their hearts. And we saw Donald Blythe earlier in the season um, say something. And I said, are they giving us some foreshadowing that Donald Blythe is going to have a heart attack? And and now we get another reference to attacking. And I mean, attack their hearts is very, it seems very deliberate to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think somebody that's, that's my big, bold prediction for season five. Somebody is having a heart attack. Interesting. Uh, well, Frank's health was such an issue in season four. We'll see if that continues into season five. Uh, just to speak uh, again to the yes, we can line. Uh, I do think it was an intentional callback. I do think that they wanted to sort of uh, strike a, a nerve or a chord there uh, in comparison to Obama, because in terms of Obama's 2008 campaign, that the word that was so closely associated with that campaign was hope. And this is about war, fear, brutal. Let's attack their hearts. We can work with fear. It was the opposite of hope. And again, Barack Obama doesn't exist in the world of House of Cards. That there is no, there is no Barack Obama unless that he got elected in two thousand eight and then for whatever reason uh, walked away. From the presidency, there's no Joe Biden and Walker became president in 2012. We don't know exactly uh, what what happened there in in the fiction of the show. That being said, for him to say that phrase following that statement, I have to feel like that there was some sort of mirror held up to that idea of hope. And him saying, yes, we can, I felt like was calling that out. I mean, you know, that works really well as a as an opposite to everything that that he said before then. Um, I just I mean, I didn't even notice the yes, we can part either time I watched it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it, it was very subtle, but good, good catch by Veronica for um, for finding this. It just seems like a weird way to end that sentence. Create chaos, more than chaos, war, fear, brutal, total. I'm done trying to win people's hearts. Let's attack their hearts. We can work with fear. Yes, we can. Like, (laughs) nobody said, like, uh, no, you can't. Yeah. Yes, we can. I'll show you. 
This is a very bold, uh, bold idea that they're going to try to, that they're going to try to start working with. So they need a little encouragement. Yes, they do. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's take a question here from Wendy, uh, who says, uh, we've seen a lot of big name dramas uh, with male anti-hero characters. Is Claire one of the darkest female characters we've ever seen? Yeah, I think she definitely is. I, I know when we started watching the show and when we started recapping it way back in season two, we compared her to Skylar White or Tony Soprano's wife. Um, and, and some of the the female characters who are um, – they work with the antiheroes, but they're not as directly involved. And in, in we do see some of them get more involved than others. But um, Claire has finally reached her throne as, as on equal footing with Frank Underwood um, in terms of power and being evil. Um, they're, they're a true team. I, I really like Claire's journey over journey over these first four seasons. I mean, I don't even know if there's a comparison of somebody who's sort of like a co-lead of a show who you could say is in this same sort of category that's sort of like a willing female participant in this treachery. I think you could probably throw Cersei Lannister into the mix. Uh, but I yeah, think that's that what Brennan Claire, just said in the chat. Yeah, I think that Claire probably has her beat, uh, considering she is going to take uh, a the United States of America to war over this. And I feel like that uh, that Cersei might even have more redeemable qualities uh, than Claire Underwood. I don't know if there's anybody else who's close. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cersei is a really good call. I think Cersei might be more reprehensible than than Claire is. So I'm on the other side of you on that one. Mm, I think that Claire Underwood is a better actress. Uh, and I'm not talking about Robin Wright as a director or an actress. I'm talking about just in terms of the facade that she puts on. I think Claire Underwood comes across as nicer, whereas Cersei, uh, that Cersei in a Twitter world would just be done. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> she would be hated. She couldn't even like uh, do like a fake interview with somebody and pretend to be nice. Like she would be terrible out on the stump speeches uh, for things like that. Uh, whereas Claire is actually pretty good. I would imagine that if Frank and Claire had a child, it couldn't be as bad as Joffrey. Uh, probably not. Probably not. Frank is like Joffrey. Again, the Joffrey, again, Claire and Joffrey, uh, sorry, uh, that Cersei and Joffrey, they both have no filter. That's that's really the problem. And, and you know, they have absolute power, which is unchecked. And then so they don't have to be nice uh, to anybody when they don't feel like it. Uh, why don't we mm-hmm. get into uh, one of Brendan's uh, questions? Uh, what is what does Brendan have to say here? All right. He says, are you surprised with how quickly Claire walking out on Frank resolved itself ultimately this season? Do you think she would have come back if she hadn't been given if she hadn't been, sh- if he hadn't been shot, that did resolve itself uh, very quickly in terms of Frank giving her exactly what she wanted after being shot. Do you think that there would have been any other resolution had Frank not had the assassination attempt? I mean, I think more than the assassination attempt, it was that she had the opportunity to really cement herself as a as the VP candidate, and that was probably the only way she was going to come back to Frank. Um, so. You know, that wasn't how I predicted this season was going to go. I did think that we were going to get that resolved within the first, I think I said six episodes. So, um, you know, I wasn't surprised with how quickly it was because I thought it would happen quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think it would be. Yeah, I never before this season would have thought we're getting Claire Underwood running for vice president. 
No, no, it seemed very unlikely. Uh, also, Brendan wrote in to ask, uh, where does Doug go from here? Yet another season where he's kind of spinning his wheels. Did the show make a mistake not killing Doug off in season three or early in season four? Or maybe having him take a bullet for Frank instead of Meacham? You know, such a crossroads. Uh, it was, I believe, at the end of season two, right? Where uh, mm-hmm. we had the Rachel, he had Rachel locked away and uh, he ends up going after her and uh, that she ends up hitting him in the head with the rock and he's left for dead at the end of season two. How much better would House of Cards been the last two seasons if Doug had died? Did Doug provide anything to the story in season three and four? No, I think he did. I think he got a lot better in season four, despite kind of where he left off with the um, with his kind of love story that he's got going on now with Laura Moretti. But uh, I'm glad that Doug didn't die. I think we need to see Frank having some really good soldiers, Frank and Claire having some good soldiers. You know, we've got Leanne in the mix, but Seth isn't really that great as a soldier. So we need Frank and or we need we need Doug Stamper there for Frank. Um, and I do really like what you said and what you were onto in the finale recap about how Doug, you know, Doug kind of made the choice by saving Frank and and how America and the Underwoods are so much might be so much worse off as a result of Doug's actions. So, yeah. um, you know, do do we see more of the guilt weighing on Doug and and maybe season five is when Doug starts to actually turn on Frank. Um, but I really like him as a soldier. Boy, I mean, for Doug to turn on Frank, I mean, I think that would be the ultimate betrayal, but I'm not sure what it says about the show and the story where it's Doug who ultimately is the person who is the, you know, uh, Brutus to uh, Frank's Julius Caesar. Yeah, I mean, you know, it would either be it would either be Doug or Claire, I think those are the only two people who are as involved in the bad things that Frank has done. And I don't think we're going to see Claire do it now. On top of that, Antonio Mazzaro wants us to make one bold prediction about where Doug's story with Laura Moretti is headed. I mean, you know, headed for dinner at that at that night dinner and 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 a, a nap over at her house. So yeah. he's got that. But where are they going? I think we are going to see more of Laura Moretti throughout the season. I think she's going to start becoming more and more of a confidant of Doug, and and maybe Doug lets something slip, and so maybe unintentionally he he stabs Frank in the back. But what would Laura Moretti do with that information? Well, it depends on what the information is. Maybe if it's if it's about her husband and not being on the donor list, like, um, she goes up to the the Health and Human Services Secretary that I talked about earlier in the season playing a big role, uh, who hasn't yet. But don't. But that's her for not five. even on the top one hundred of Frank Underwood scandals. It, it really the, like if the Hammerschmidt story is not sticking. Frank getting a liver instead of some civilian is not a big deal at all. Nobody's going to care about that story, especially because it, it implicates Doug more than Frank Underwood. It wasn't Frank Underwood who was making that call. He was passed out. He was in a coma. Yeah, but it's his... Uh it is the the state of affairs that Frank Underwood has set up in this this dirty um, this this dirty presidency that he is that he has been running. So um, you know maybe that would be a small thing, but a lot of times we see these loose threads in House of Cards that if you start pulling on them, and you know if you do think about the House of Cards eventually has to crumble, it's not necessarily the the most foundational card that gets pulled out that makes the house of cards crumble. Mm -hmm. It might be a small one that leads to an avalanche. And and we've seen avalanches start on this show, um, you know, like 
like people talking about the Lucas story, for example, and then Hammerschmidt picking that up um, or like the Millers being kidnapped. And, and who knows if, you know, that, that definitely avalanched into um, the Underwoods using this as, as part of their candidacy and, and now going to war with Syria as a result of it. I wonder for the Doug story, if it's just going to be, he's going to get out the game at this point where he's so in love with Laura Moretti. He doesn't want to be a part of this. He's going to take the Remy way out and just retire from working for Frank at this point. I don't know. I mean, that would be pretty lame if that happened, but he did leave the situation room at a huge time. We're about to go to war. Um, right before the, right before the beheading happens, he, he left and told Frank that he wasn't at his best. But, you know, if he just take, I think the Remy way out, I, I've never really liked how Remy has been on again, off again, and then just kind of decides he doesn't want to be part of Frank's posse anymore. But I did see that Doug, the actor who plays Doug Stamper is on a new FX show with Tom Hardy. Oh. And I think that's, that's debuting, I'm not sure when, sometime this year. Um, and about midway through the season, I saw that preview and I wondered if we were going to see Doug Stamper get killed this season because he was on a different show, but uh, that didn't happen. Antonio also wants to know, name the confirmed MVPs and LVPs. Please do not discount Nev Campbell's ultimately useless character as LVP, <laughs> especially considering her, what was it, $15 million salary? How much money did she get? $1.5 million? 1.5 or 15. I think it was 1.5. Yeah, I got the decimal point mixed up. Okay, so $1.5 million for one year of Leanne what do you think? I will not put Leanne at LVP for multiple reasons. One, because Teenage Me loves Nev Campbell, mm-hmm. because we had Party of Five and Scream, and it provided us lots of good jokes that we could make throughout the season. That's true. Uh, but her character, her character was useless, but did kind of give Claire her dog stamper. Um, mm-hmm. And so th- that's important. These soldiers are important. Um, and I think that – and she brought in McAllen, too. And if it wasn't it was for McAllen, we wouldn't useless. have had – he wasn't useless. He got all of the information from Polyhop. So, or whatever his, his, his system that he was using was. But what is the best Leanne moment of the season? I mean, nothing is necessarily coming to mind. Um, she did, she did play, a, a you know, she was sitting right next to Frank in the situation room when they watched, uh, when they watched the Miller, um, James Miller get beheaded. Mm-hmm. And, and she played, you know, I'm trying to think back to some of the other things with Claire's mother that she played a role in that. And she is also onto the Yates thing. She knows that there's something going on between Claire and Yates. So she's going to play a big role next year. They wouldn't have cast Nev Campbell for kind of a a, a character that wasn't going to do anything on this show. I don't know. I mean, I think that the showrunner who cast Nev Campbell isn't even there anymore. So I don't know what they're going to do with Nev Campbell. I love the idea of Nev Campbell. I liked her character, but I think that maybe her best moment of the season might have been when she pulled the gun on Doug Stamper uh, in the first episode. And I think it was for the rest of the time, uh, pretty vanilla. Yeah, well, we got to see that. We got to see that gun come back, too. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I, we're we're going to get more of her. Now. They, they've got this is like they have like a, you know, it's like the GM of sports team gets fired, but they um, they still have some franchise players on the cast and they got a they got a good piece they can work with moving forward. Yeah. I would say that I'm still going to maintain uh, Jackie Sharp as the LVP of the season. At least Remy got involved with some of the Tusk business that Jackie had nothing going on the entire season and was a shell of somebody who was my favorite character uh, in seasons two and three. Yeah, Jackie really did not 
did not do much this season. And that was disappointing because she came in. I remember when she debuted in season two, we were pretty excited about her with all of her, her war history and her, um, her rose tattoo. So, you know, I, I don't know. And is she, is she done or her and Remy completely off the show? Do you think we see them back next season or in, in the future? Yeah, I don't know. Are they going to testify in some sort of like long drawn out indictment of Frank Underwood? I mean, is that what we're going to see? Like, uh, are we going to turn into basically like impeachment hearings in season five? No, I mean, we saw the impeachment in season two was only a couple episodes and, and really not that much of it. And even though this is a bigger character getting impeached in season four or in season five, potentially, um, well, I don't Walker think we're get, didn't like, want to go like through the order. impeachment, uh, whereas like, you know, um, there was, I think, I believe like with Bill Clinton, and again, I'm not uh, super familiar with, uh, you know, what was going on in 1998. I believe they did end up getting to a vote on to whether or not to uh, let him be impeached. And and uh, I think he had to, you know, uh, famously uh, was, you know, had to testify. So I wonder if we could go that far with season five. Yeah, I mean, that's just this show isn't going to do that. This, this show is going to they, they want to pack a punch in each episode. So um, hearings just that's, you know. This I don't know. This isn't the people versus OJ Simpson people versus Frank Underwood. Okay. Uh, let's go back to Spencer. Y, who says uh, that if Frank manages to survive the firestorm and fallout from the Hammerschmidt article about the political misdeeds during season five, he's still not in the clear with the murders. And you've got to think that those murders will come back to haunt Frank, not just in his fever dreams. Will those details be uncovered by an intrepid reporter like Hammerschmidt or will somebody in the know Doug is uh, probably the only possibility to snitch on Frank or is the political details that Hammerschmidt story reveal enough to cripple and take down Frank and is the revelation of the Barnes and Rousseau deaths uh, merely icing on the cake and not be completely necessary. Do you think that the deaths are still something that is going to be uncovered? We've taught, we've heard Hammerschmidt a number of times say, ah, I mean, Frank Underwood is crooked, but he's not a killer. He's not a murderer. He said that more than once. Is that setting up that he's going to then find out, oh, wait, he is a murderer, too? No, I don't think it's going to be Hammerschmidt who finds it out. But somebody, you know, it would just be a real disservice to the fans if the Zoe Barnes and Pete Russo deaths were never uncovered. I think somebody has to, you know, this is as we're getting towards the, the end of the show. I think somebody needs to find out about Zoe Barnes and Pete Russo. Um, and maybe it's, you know, I mean, it still obviously weighs on Frank's conscience because of what we saw in those dreams, uh, when he was, when he was in the hospital. So I would be excited to see, you know, I don't know, does, does Frank finally have, you know, a breaking point at the end of the show where he just confesses to everything that he's done? Like, a you know, maybe he's about to go out and he wants to go out in a blaze of glory and he just sits there and reads off his, like his list of all of the, all of his misdeeds that he's done and, and all the people he's killed and people he's harmed. And could it be Doug that ultimately spills the beans on those things? I don't even know if Doug know. I know he knows about Pete Rousseau and he probably assumes about Zoe Barnes, but does Doug know for sure about both of those deaths? We'd have to go back and take a look in season two. He definitely yeah. knows about the Pete Rousseau thing because he had to keep Rachel on the uh, on the DL right. for so long. I, and I'm sure he can put the pieces together about Zoe Barnes, but um, you know, it's still it's it's interesting. Those are the the still the two people that Frank has directly murdered. Um, you know, I wonder if we'll see more, more murders, you know, 
I, I also, you know, I thought maybe Hammerschmidt, could that be somebody that he ends up coming after? But I do think that Hammerschmidt has um, some, some fallbacks and that's why Frank, if Frank just killed Hammerschmidt, then that story could still be released and it would be even more evidence that Frank has done something wrong. All right. Uh, here's a question from Spicy Wasabi who says, better story, Frank losing the election or Frank winning the election? Do you have a take on this in terms of, uh, is there any way they could show us Frank losing the election? The only way Frank losing the election would be interesting is if then we see the, him trying to get power back. But we'd have to have, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's that they lose the election and then Claire is the primary candidate um, running for president. Okay, but it just seems like we would have to, to have, like 2019. Yeah, that's the thing. We'd have to have a really big time jump. And um, but it would it would be a huge surprise because I don't think anybody thinks that Frank is going to lose this election or Frank is going to get busted for these things until the very end of the show. Yeah, I don't think there's any way we could see this show where Frank loses the election. I could see him winning and then being, uh, you know, brought down by this scandal. But I can't see him losing to Conway. And that's why I kind of feel like. It, that, that's why I kind of feel like that we might just get a time jump where Frank, uh, you know, won the won the election, but is dealing still with all this uh, all this crap that's in his lap. I mean, do you want to you want to just throw the Conway characters out then after just like, you know, what what did we get like five or six episodes with them? And, and we started seeing the seeds of of something going on with them and their marriage and problems between Shmoopy Conway. Where's that going? Are we really going to see, you know, Conway and Shmoopy Conway have marital issues on this show? Well, we are, I don't know if we're going to see marital. I hope not because I don't want another Frank or another, uh, Trisha Walker and, uh, Garrett Walker situation. <laughs> but, um, I, I don't know. I really liked Conway. I, I see, I guess some people don't like Conway as much, but, um, I thought he was a good character and I, I hope that they find a way to keep him involved moving forward in this show. Yeah, I don't know wh- how they could, once he loses the election, just have him as the governor of New York, where he's just a thorn in Frank's side. But I can't imagine that the actor uh, would stay on in that role also. Yeah, that's true. If if he doesn't have a big role, um, you know, I don't know. Do, do people who are governors ever run for Congress? And then maybe he's at least in Congress and has um, more of a more of an opportunity to to get in the middle of things with Frank or. Does he somehow blackmail Frank into making him a you know cabinet member or something? Mm. Why not? Be interesting. Involve, involve Conway. Okay. Uh, let's see uh, some more some more questions. Uh, how about one from Cody who says, uh, "I'm not sure if you guys covered this before, but what's the deal with fictional presidents having chiefs of staffs with drinking problems in the West Wing season one? Spoiler alert." Uh, had Leo McGarry uh, had a, a drinking problem and now we have Doug Stamper, should we be concerned for real life chiefs of staff? I mean, I'm sure real life chiefs of staff probably drink, a, you know, at least some. I wouldn't say they have a drinking problem. Um, I can't name a chief of staff, unfortunately, from the real world. I can't name Doug Stamper. And I don't even know if I can name another television show chief of staff. I guess there were some on 24. Um, those guys didn't drink. You know, I don't really ever remember like Wayne Palmer drinking. <laughs> was he the chief of staff he wasn't he the chief of staff in season one i don't remember i don't remember what wayne palmer was up to okay uh shut up tim wants to know a uh, ding marry kill yates meacham or frank's college friend go for it <laughs> mm, well i think that the the easy way out would be to kill meacham because he's already gone but no i think you uh ding meacham marry yates and kill frank's college friend yeah i think uh 
I think I would probably kill Yates. I, I'm not a huge Yates fan. It's just you wouldn't marry him? He's narration. so supportive. Yeah, but he's, I don't know. He's always just like around, like he's always around the, the White House and he's annoying Leanne. So um, the college friend though, I mean, he seems like, a, you know, it seems like there's more to explore there. So well, let's go with the college okay. friend. All right. Yeah. Uh, more to explore. <laughs> all right uh then the running for the hashtag all right uh also shut up tim wants to know uh will melania trump uh break the fourth wall well, uh wow that would be uh what a, a uh a sketch this would be if uh donald trump uh watched binged all of house of cards and just started breaking the fourth wall boy uh that would be something yeah uh, House of Trump cards. I think we could have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we'll see if Melania is also breaking the uh, the fourth wall. Uh, we'll see about that. Or just okay, listening. Uh, just listening yeah. at the fourth wall. All right. Ross wants to know, where do you think the real history of the presidency merges with the fictitious? Is Nixon the most recent actual president uh, mentioned in the show? No, there's been pictures in the White House of, uh, I, I believe we've even seen pictures of Clinton. So I'm not sure where the timeline goes. I think that uh, I, I also feel like maybe we saw a picture of George W. Bush uh, at the White House, also on House of Cards. So I think that's where the timeline veers. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the the latest I can remember is Reagan because we definitely have Reagan um, as as one of the real presidents. But I do sort of I don't know George W. Bush. I kind of remember seeing something. There was a picture of him, but. Um, my guess would be earlier. I think I think Reagan allows them to have fictional presidents and not tie too much in real life. So. Uh, let me take a question from uh, Jessica, who uh, says, I have one question that pertains specifically to Chapter 52, but may or may not be reflective of the season as a whole. Were you as, for lack of a better word, offended by or at least really disappointed in the whole wait, no one in here speaks Arabic and can translate what Yusuf just said, or was that <laughs> deliberate on Claire's part to delay long enough for plausible deniability and therefore an acceptable the ends justify the means sort of plot hole? Um, no, that was definitely a plot hole. It was kind of weird that, you know, the they don't have anybody who can speak Arabic in there, and but the media, it translates it immediately and they can watch, they have to watch on CNN for what he said, um, or at mm-hmm. least it seemed that way. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was kind of a one guy there in that task. Yeah, force. that I mean, they didn't have very many people there. It was a very secret. I mean, nobody knew where Claire was. It was a um, a very secret operation. Um, not even Leanne knew where Claire was when all this was going on. I don't think. Yeah. Did Yates know? Um, well, no, he was. He, I think he was he also was looking, looking for, for her. Claire. He yeah, said he had been. Like, yeah, he was up yeah. in the residence looking for her and not even Leanne gets access to the residence. What else? Anything else you want to talk about to wrap up season four? I think season four in general was just a really good season. Um, I, you know, it, it's tough to now have already binged them all and have to wait for a year to talk about it again and to watch it. But, um, you know, I think I think we're in good shape heading into season five. I don't know if anybody else in the chat has other questions. Um, oh, uh, Brendan wants to know about a way too early death prediction for season five. I mean, I, I, we have to wait and see what's going on. I, I would say Frank Underwood is uh, a strong contender. I'd say, uh, you know, six to one. Odds, By heart attack? I, I, I don't know how, what you want to say. Uh, heart attack, <laughs> liver attack, uh, suicide. Uh, who knows? Uh, but I think it really depends on uh, what we're going to see in terms of whether there'll be a season six or not. What was the high point for you in season four? I mean, I think... 
episode four was really the high point up until episode four. I was kind of like, ah, this, this season is all right. It's, it's kind of going slow. And and then episode four, when Frank gets shot, you know, that was the one that we had heard before that something was going to happen, but I never could have seen that being how Lucas Goodwin goes out that Lucas tries to assassinate the president and gets killed. And, um, you know, that, that's, that just kind of was a great way to bring a lot of storylines together. Um, also, Freddie's delivery of uh, "F you, Mr. President" was pretty good too. Yeah, you a real mf'er, Mr. President. Or that was and, it. Yeah, you're real. See, I liked it so much. I can't even remember the actual line. Right. I I feel like the convention overall, the, those two episodes, I felt like were really, really strong. Uh, I really, really liked. I know that uh, some people did not love Conway, but I liked where uh, Underwood and Conway were sort of in the same room talking about you know what they were going to be up to and then that scene in the second part of that episode uh with frank and durant where he was just like telling her exactly what was going to happen and uh you know i i killed uh zoe barnes and uh pete russo uh you know oh i'm just kidding like uh but and he had like the mail opener so I, i really liked all that stuff too no, that those were really good. It, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, if you have your your favorite pro wrestler and they always fight in, in tag team matches or they never get the one on one matches. But then you get all of a sudden you get, you know, the rock fighting Hulk Hogan or the rock fighting Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, and finally, we're getting this face off. So um, we had some real WrestleMania moments in in House of Cards this season. So I like that. OK. All right. So. We'll see what happens with season five. We get some sort of announcement of uh, when it's coming and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, let me just double check uh, the comments here on uh, from the chapter 52 recap on, uh, on post show recaps before we sign off for the year on house of cards uh, chapter for season four. Um, what's the number one contender for the hashtag right now? I mean, we did say more to explore, I yeah. think that's a that's a pretty good one. But uh, you know, I don't know. If if there's some way that we could tie in Claire Underwood and Cersei Lannister, that w- that was a good thing that we talked about too. Yeah. One one of the posts from the chapter 52 recap, uh this is from Tavatic who said, "Love this season and the podcast. I'm surprised you all didn't mention the moment during the video at the beheading part. Uh, everybody in the room was squeamish and looked away except for Frank and Claire." They just looked at the whole thing without flinching. I thought that the moment was powerful. And you said, good point. We should address it in the feedback show. Yeah. And then I re-listened to our uh, season finale recap. And we actually did kind of talk about that. Okay. So anything um, else you want to say about uh, the uh, flinching versus non-flinching? Yeah. I mean, it was really interesting to kind of watch when people flinch because they don't all flinch at the same time. And on my rewatch, one thing that I did notice was that Yates looks a little bit longer than most of the other people. Leanne looks away really quickly. Seth looks away really quickly. Um, Yates almost stares as long as Frank and Claire do. And, and it was pretty badass that Frank and Claire just stare straight forward with, uh, with stone faces. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we will see where we go. Hashtag more to explore. You can follow the great Next season. Yeah, follow the Next great Zach we'll Brooks on Twitter. At Brooks ZA. I'm at Rob Sesternino, and uh, we definitely want to hear from you guys uh, in the comments on postshowrecaps.com. Speaking of more to explore, much more to explore here <laughs> on Post Show Recaps if you've been enjoying our House of Cards coverage. Uh, we are covering... Uh, the you know what out of this Walking Dead season. 
uh, right now, myself and Josh Wiggler. Also, uh, Better Call Saul recaps uh, coming to you guys uh, from me and Antonio Mazzaro. Plus, if you're into the Netflix, Josh Wiggler and Kevin Mahadeo are also covering Daredevil right now. Do you watch the Daredevil? Yeah, I'm I'm up to, I don't know, I think episode 10. I think I have three or four episodes left. I, I, this season of Daredevil is really, really good. Definitely gory, though. So if you're, if you're like Leanne and you look away from the blood... Uh, might want to stick away from Daredevil, but if you can if you can stare straight ahead like Frank and Claire, uh, get into the Daredevil and and Josh and Kevin do such a good job of of giving you like every angle of of that show. All right, so much more coming up on Post Show Recaps. Subscribe to Post Show Recaps on iTunes. Go to postshowrecaps.com/itunes or search for Post Show Recaps in your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for your support and listening to uh, Zach and I rant about. House of Cards season four. We can't wait to come back and do it again uh, next year. Are you ready? Oh yeah, let's let's uh, you know let's hurry up and get this next season out so we can do it again. This is a lot of fun and you know bittersweet that this is the end of our season four coverage, Rob. But glad we fulfilled our campaign promises and uh, answered the questions from all the constituents tonight. And then uh, one year from now, whenever we get into the House of Cards season five, we will have a new real president. Yep. <laughs> and uh possibly a new uh new tv show president too maybe it's a new tv show Probably president not. yeah which house of cards uh season four moment do you think we are most likely to see in real life in the next year <laughs> oh geez um i mean a lot of the a lot of the one-on-one face-offs are we going to get like a like a hillary clinton bernie sanders backroom meeting at the, at the convention mm-hmm yeah yeah, I think that's good. Uh, yeah, that that, I think that the convention stuff uh, could be we could see a lot of that uh, play out in real life. All right. Uh, looking forward to it. Can't wait to get into uh, House of Cards Chapter five. And uh, thanks again so much. Take care, everybody. Bye.